Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. How are you doing today, Renee? I'm good. I'm in the middle of a cleanse that I do a couple times a year with two of my girlfriends. So when this episode comes out, it'll actually be the last day of the cleanse, which I'm already looking forward to. But I'm really grateful to these friends. Our group chat during the cleanse is just such a lifeline when anyone is feeling low energy, low motivation. It's just beautiful. So shout out to group chats. How long is the cleanse? And it's smoothies, right? All smoothies. It's 10 days. And you're actually not hungry. You get enough, like, food through the smoothies. Mm -hmm. You just get bored. Like, your mind just wants to chew stuff. So sometimes you're allowed to have some raw nuts or a boiled egg. Sometimes I'm really good and I don't do those and I just do the smoothies. And then some days, like today, I have, like, two or three handfuls of nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So just because my mouth wants to do something. Yeah, chew instead of like slurp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but how's your week going? It's good. I feel like these past, well, I feel like these past few weeks, um, there's just been a lot of good change happening. Well, other than like <laughs> getting laid off, lol. Last time I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> Since we talked, we have a whole episode dedicated to that. But there's like a lot of good things happening in terms of, um, you know, looking forward to like the next steps for my job and for my husband's job. We got really good news about my dog and his health. Yay. And so we're, we're having to do like multiple vet appointments. Um, my husband got a new car. And so there's just like a lot of good chaos. Um, and tomorrow's kind of like the first day where I get to not really do anything. And I'm really excited about that day like I feel like now that we've done the post-op appointment for Frank and he's good and he's healing like so much like emotional like build up it's like it's like a deep breath day and I'm really excited for that I love a deep breath day I also love the way that you've described it like that I, I think it's great that you're having such good news people always talk about bad news coming in threes but we should talk more about the yeah. avalanche of good news too And it's like a good period of time. So we don't have to dive too much into this, but um, like both of us are in like our fun employment mode where he's in the, he's uh, in between contracts because he works in the hospital. And obviously, Mm. you know, I'm not, I'm without a full-time job right now. And it's actually been really, really good for us just to have these days of us not being totally consumed with other areas of our life and we can sort of like focus on the things that we're meant to focus on um so yeah good energy that's what i'm trying to manifest i love that (laughs) we talked about it i say that all the time but i do genuinely love that (laughs) yeah if uh if someone wants to play a fun game sure you can drink (laughs) you can drink if you want uh (laughs) up to you uh count how many times renee says i love that on our (laughs) app episode (laughs) I love that you pointed it out to me because now that I'm aware of it I do say it all the time (laughs) but and I've caught myself because I guess I'm very empathetic towards you I've caught myself saying it too saying it back saying I love that (laughs) that's better than uh, I hate that so we'll we'll run it Um, I love I love when you say it (laughs) and you and you genuinely mean it so I do. I just get excited about things. Um, (laughs) But you mentioned this before, um, like we had a whole episode on layoffs last week, what to do, how to process when you've lost your job um, against your choice. But this week, we're kind of flipping that. And we're talking about what about the times when you lose a job or leave a job because you want to? We're talking about quitting, which sometimes has a bad rap, but sometimes can also be really amazing. So let's open it up, Melissa. How do you Mm -hmm. feel about quitting? Well, since we both are, I would say, in the middle of our careers, we I feel like we've worked in enough places to now know 
and have some experience on <laughs> if we have maybe lingered too long in a job and or we've quit jobs. And you know my you know my resume. I mostly know your resume and we both definitely have some examples of moments where we both knew to quit something because it was no longer serving us. And you're right, like quitting does have this weird connotation to it. And it could be a bit of a generational thing where we're not used to seeing folks stay in their jobs for like 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, even like three years, five years. Um, because and, and also companies just aren't offering the type of like retirement plans and pensions as they used to. And we mentioned this last in last episode that sometimes in order for you to grow, you have to leave a company because you've outgrown it. Um, and so there's a lot of, I think, good examples for knowing when to quit. And quitting can be a very powerful thing and give you a lot of power. I agree. There, I actually read an article in the New York Times that talked about exactly what you were mentioning. It's called For Younger Workers, Job Hopping Has Lost Its Stigma, Should It? And one of the things that I thought was interesting in the article is that it doesn't just say that younger people have no loyalty, but it kind of breaks down some of the reasons why job hopping is on the rise. And they have an expert quoted in the article. And one of the things she says, um, or they say, let me not assume she's a she. Um, one reason for the prevalence of job hopping is the ongoing erosion of the employer-employee social contract. And I think that gets at a lot of what you're talking mm. about, the erosion of certain benefits that companies used to offer. One thing the article mentions is career development. Some companies aren't giving employees that as much anymore. So people feel like they have to go elsewhere to get it. People also see repeated recession-related layoffs and even preemptive layoffs where we haven't even hit a recession yet, but people just get rid of your job, you know, because they anticipate a potential downturn. And if you're not feeling that sense of job security of investment from the employer, it's harder for, you know, younger employees or employees of any age, really, to want to return that investment if it no longer feels like that social contract is balanced. Yeah. And, you know, too, there's a lot of benefit for companies to have this revolving door, not too quickly of a revolving door, um, because that's a red flag, but in yeah. <laughs> a good cadence. I don't know what the what a good cadence would be, but I think it's refreshing when new people come into your company at certain times because you really get new perspective and a lot of companies fall into that pit of like fallacy of tradition where it's always been this way and we always do it this way and you need that revolving door of fresh ideas and fresh perspective new generation new um diversity of thought and not just people but of just thought and opinions because it really is going to freshen up your thinking freshen up your strategy and freshen up your brand and so by having that revolving door people quit on good terms hopefully right and then you get this new wave of fresh ideas and people to change things up and to shake things up. Um, so I think on both sides of the coin, I know most like we're mostly focused on the more like the individual, like individualistic side of things. But for companies, quitting can also be good for them and having having new employees um, and new perspectives is, is good. I agree. And you mentioned diversity of thought, which I think is incredibly important. I also think diversity of people, point blank. Like if your organization Absolutely. started with a makeup that looked a certain way, maybe it was all young people or all older people, all people of a certain ethnic racial background, etc., all one political party, what have you. Sometimes it is helpful to have um, just very different individuals in there. Um, we can talk about this later, but when I look at some of the reasons I have left jobs or the reasons I have stayed in jobs that weren't serving me longer than I needed to, it often comes down to the people who were there. Like the situation was awful, but I had my friends and my team or a situation was average and I didn't really feel connected to people. So I, I didn't feel like I was a part of the community. It was 
just a transactional experience that was easier to, you know, exchange for something else, which is why I think a lot of smart employers really keep a keen eye if your like work friend leaves, they a smart mm. employer will check in on you and be like, let me make sure that she's happy because that is a potential red flag for people if they don't feel that community or friendship, you know, or fellowship in the in the workspace. And you might have mentioned this. I forgot which I forget which episode we brought this up on. Maybe it was about feedback, but at the point of when you're leaving a company or even having like an annual review or just like a one-on-one with your manager, um, if what they're saying or what you're hearing in your annual review or an exit interview and or what you're saying feels like a surprise, that's a red flag because it shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. So we've talked about before like bringing things up to your company and, you know, in a professional but also in like in a a meaningful – I don't know. I don't want to say about it polite, but a professional way of bringing up issues and things like that. And it's after it leaves your mouth, it's pretty much up to them to continue to check, check in on you on whatever issues that you were bringing up and things like that. So um, I know we both are, I I say this as a compliment, like strong personalities that we're not just going to be doormats um, with people and with companies. And so I've had to practice this in the last few years, um, but I've been learning how to proactively bring things up in a way that – and position in a way that I think benefits both the company and my experience at the company. Um, And it's – so it, it it was it's been frustrating in my sometimes past experience where I've done that and they're still surprised when I'm like at the exit interview and I'm like no 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 I have receipts <laughs> of yeah. like every time I brought this up <laughs> and so for me quitting was standing up for myself in a time where I just felt like I was not being heard um you do and, have to put yourself first. It's like that meme from Empire. I gotta put me first. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And it's like the exasperated <laughs> voice. I gotta put me first. Yes, from Empire. Iconic. Um, but you bring up something that I kind of want to dig into a little bit more. And let's do it. It's signs. Well, let's I don't know how to do this. Signs that you're getting ready to quit. Well, I don't know if we want to talk about signs from a company that are red flags or signs that you personally exhibit. But the reason I thought about it, because you mentioned, you know, I'm like you. I like to let people know when things aren't working, when there are things that are causing like really intense friction or frustration. And for me, that sort of feedback is my way of showing that I'm invested in making this work. And so I want to communicate with you about how to make things better. When Mm -hmm. I am close to leaving a place, I don't bring up anything anymore. I'm like, let me just stay under the radar because I'm getting out of here. So for me, and I know it's like, it feels like an opposite because some people, they say, oh, she's complaining. That means she's got a foot out the door. It's like, no, no, no. I would not bring up an issue if I wasn't trying to make this work. Otherwise, I would just keep quiet, keep my mouth shut, keep my heads down, and hope you don't notice that I had seven doctor's appointments this week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all of a sudden, Renee's calendar now shows up as just busy? She's sickly. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) Send her a fruit basket. (laughs) (laughs) I 1,000% agree with you. Um, They think the opposite of love is hate. But it's actually indifference. Oh, and so double when click you- <laughs> on that. Like I wanna I wanna highlight that. Like that's so true. <laughs> I don't know who told me this, but that has been like the most eye-opening way of thinking about how passionate I can be with something and how, yeah, you're right. When I'm showing indifference, especially at work, or I just like am not caring, that is when I'm done. Right. Or if I've, you know, I've shared multiple times an issue and at a point where I'm like, do you, does anyone have anything to say? And I'm like, no. (laughs) So basically you should always have something to say. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I usually, you know, I usually do. And and most of the time it's, you know, good feedback as well, right? Like balancing it with like good feedback, things that are going really well. But I am also not afraid to sort of raise my hand and raise my voice a bit. Um, even if that was – sometimes it's really hard to come back to after I feel like you've been negative – like you have negative connotations of doing it. Um, not – one company is going to ruin everything for me. So I have to sort of remember that, my personal reminder. Um, but yeah, the minute that I'm just like, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I know. You never, yeah, I think that, I don't think you ever want to hear that in the workplace. Again, you don't want people who are constantly chafing at, you know, this is the culture, this is how things are. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, you can't be complaining 24-7. That's not helpful. That doesn't add to the culture. But if people's if people's energy feels like a shrug, then check in. Just check yeah, in. Yeah, and and sometimes or check I in with know. yourself too. Yes, that that like checking in with yourself and knowing, like, I, it's sort of hard for me to put my finger on how you know when you know, but it's like you kind of just know when something has. For me, the reason why I've pivoted or, or quit positions. Some of it is just because of burnout or finding another opportunity that I couldn't just say no to. And other times I've just noticed the shift. It Maybe it, it, it it's happened inch by inch by inch, but then at one point it's like five feet. And once I get to that point, for me, I'm like, wow, this was I've got to get out of here. And that's sort of like the point of desperation that I talked about last episode that I really, really don't ever want to go back to because I've been in that dark place of desperation and I've seen what it does to like my, my mental health. And it's just not good for anybody. Like I feel bad for my coworkers. It's it's probably more dramatized in my head than it really was. Um, but I feel bad for the people I worked with because I probably wasn't performing at my best because I didn't feel like my best. And I also feel like the company wasn't giving me their best. And so everyone was just like at their worst. Mm. And like who wants that? Like who has fun living in that misery? Um, and so for me, I just had this like – I just kept doing it because I was in a place – I was sort of in like a comfort zone. And mm -hmm. sometimes when you're just – like when you're living in misery, it sometimes feels really easy to, to be that. You know, it feels really easy to be negative and like, nah, well, you know, screw this job. I don't, know, I don't care. And For it's sure. really hard to kind of get to the – get to the other side of that. And you don't feel like you want to quit. And because quitting is scary and you feel like you're letting people down and you've uh, – at the time I was working with clients that I had a really good relationship with. Um, and I wish I – I'm going to read this quote that came up in my email newsletter that I think I wish I had a few years ago. And it's, on, and it's on quitting. Um, she's a, a fashion influencer and she owns um, – she used to own like a jewelry business and things like that. But I've talked to her about her before. Her name is Natalie Borton. She has an email newsletter and she has like a section called A Thought to Consider. And this is a quote by Stephen Bartlett, who I actually don't know who it is yet. But Oh, I know that Do name. you know who that is? Okay. Yes. Stephen Bartlett. And it's the worst advice I read over and over again is never quit. I promise you, quitting is for winners. Knowing when to quit, change direction – leave a situation, demand more from life, give up on something that you know isn't working and move on is an important skill that people who win at life all seem to have. You have to quit your way to the life you want. I love that you said that because I actually love Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO podcast. It is one of the podcasts oh, I listen you. to. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lovely English accent, so it's also just like really pleasant oh. in the yeah. ear. But he has great he has great people on it. I I love that. And I think what you are talking I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Take a shot. No. <laughs> That's um, two shots. <laughs> But I think what you're getting at, too, is why it's so important to 
always be working on knowing yourself and understanding yourself because sometimes when I've gotten to that point, which is similar to yours, where I just feel like I'm this dark cloud. And so Mm -hmm. performance might be suffering or other times the performance and output is at the same high level, but my energy is just really Mm -hmm. off. And I know that people around me can feel it. And I've wondered, ooh, do I quit? I think when you get to that point, that's where it's really helpful to know yourself so that you can understand, is this a sign that I need to leave this opportunity, organization, what have you altogether? Or is it a sign that I just need to take a step back? I've talked about this before on the podcast when I worked for three months in South Korea last year. And because of the time zone, um, I, my workload was a little different and we just had to make some adjustments there. And a big part of that step away was because I was in that headspace where I just felt super overwhelmed and it just wasn't positive. I could feel it before people even told me in a review. I was like, I just know I'm not the same energy that I usually am. But through knowing myself, I, I was able to have the clarity to say, there are so many good things here that I don't want to give up forever, that this isn't a sign to quit. This is a sign to recalibrate, take a breath, Mm -hmm. take a step back, and then return. And through that, and whether that's a sabbatical for you, whether that's maybe moving to a different department in your organization, or just working with leadership to see what changes they can accommodate, I think you need to know yourself to understand so that you don't jump too quickly. That Mm -hmm. said, I've also had jobs where I knew on day seven, it was the wrong fit. And that never changed. And I left like I, and I didn't leave on day seven. I, I stayed, <laughs> I stayed longer. Um, but there are times where I knew myself well enough to know this isn't just growing pains, trying to figure out a new organization. It was a really keen gut feeling that said, oops, mm-hmm. this wasn't right. And there's like a, a special kind of dance to do that, right? Of knowing, okay, am I – like what is triggering me? Why am I uncomfortable or why is this bringing me discomfort? Sort of like you giving the job the seven the, – knowing on seven day but staying much longer uh, feeling or like is it just me in the situation and are there external factors going on in my life that are bleeding into and affecting my job? 100%. And, it, like I kind of wish we I could like talk to a like professional about this of just how to get to know yourself better um, or like keeping track of sort of like your what's going on. But ultimately, it's very individual on like what you know and if if you know if you're performing your best at that time and if it's something that you can control um, or if it's something that you can't control and you have to leave. And like, just like the quote said, like there's so much, it is a skill. And I think it's a skill that like I am continuing to develop and a muscle I'm continuing to exercise. And I don't think I really have got it down pat. And maybe it's just something that we learn as we get older and wiser of, of when to quit and when, when to know to quit and that it is okay to quit, but it's also like, don't let that be maybe the first thing that you do. I love that you brought up <laughs> there's, like, other ways yes. to still move around potentially in a company or, you know, if you have that rapport, being able to go down to, like, part-time or change your hours or maybe it's just, like, like hey, the way that I work, I've realized, is I'm really – great between nine and 12. And that's where I need to be heads down, no meetings. And so maybe I have to shift my meetings to all the afternoon. Like that's, I don't know if you can do that. Some people don't have that kind of flexibility, but you can try. Yeah, you can try. There are ways around doing that. And I think, I mean, me, for me personally, I feel like I, I exhausted my options as much as I was able to and as much as I could. And then I got to a point where I probably should have quit a year before I did. Um, But I was also – this was also during COVID. And COVID just sort of 
made me feel limited in all of the ways, uh, which I think we all can relate to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I even though I, looking back on it, I always had a choice to leave and find something else. But for some reason, I convinced myself that I couldn't. And so it was really a mind shift and, excuse my French, but like a mind fuck of me thinking like, no, 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 no. Like you actually deserve better than this. Like I promise you. And that took me months of talking and convincing myself before I even had the guts to do it. Um, So a lot of it is just – this sounds so like flippant like in your head – but I mean that in the nicest way that it, it's the narrative that we're telling ourselves. And so if we try to just tell ourselves things differently, like maybe we could have quit sooner <laughs> and For had sure. a better outcome. Well, it's the narrative we tell ourselves. It's also the narrative that we surround ourselves with. So I have said mm. before on this podcast that I'm not crazy about all of these work buzzwords, but I have another one. So <laughs> maybe I'm a hypocrite. Maybe I low-key love work buzzwords. <laughs> Because I've like brought so many to the table. But this one I think is really interesting. It's called toxic resiliency. And it's the pressure of having to bounce back repeatedly as you're trying to navigate a stressful or nauseous work environment and you don't feel empowered to ask for help. And I think many of us have have kind of bought into this. Again, sometimes you are going to ride out difficult situations and that's just the mature, appropriate, healthy thing to do. But I know I've definitely been in other situations that have been very stressful for a long period of time, but I had absorbed this narrative that quitters are bad and you have to be resilient. You have to just push through, not for a season, Mm. but for an extended period of time. Like you're always going to work, whether you, even if you work for yourself and you're an entrepreneur and you've created your dream job, there are going to be seasons where things are a little stressful and intense. And that's not toxic resiliency. Toxic resiliency Mm -hmm. is we've been operating at an 11 on a scale of one to 10 for the past eight months. This is not a temporary thing. This is just our status quo. And it leaves people unhappy, burnt out and overwhelmed. It's like you're having Sunday scaries every day. For me, that has looked like I had a job that I just knew I needed to quit. And I felt like it was inappropriate to like quit too early, even though I knew on day seven, it wasn't the right fit. I said, no, that's going to look awful on my resume. But you know what also looks awful? The fact that I'm going to the bathroom every day and like counting down how many days I've worked until I hit the six month mark, which was like an arbitrary date in my head that oh, if you stay here for six months, then that's appropriate time to leave. I mean, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Like, like I was literally in the bathroom <laughs> stall, like counting on my fingers. Okay, it's a Wednesday. So I just have to get through two more days and it's the weekend. And then that's five weeks I've been here. And then if I push, like, I was just doing these calculations oh, in my head, yeah. just counting down until when it was time to leave. When honestly, it might have better served everyone If I left, I would have been happier. They could have gotten someone else new who was excited to be there, who was a good fit, Mm -hmm. who they invested like the training and time. Yeah. Like, yeah. But we just absorb these ideas that we have to push through no matter what. Where are we getting this? I don't know. I don't know if it's an older (laughs) generation or if it's just something we like saw in a TV show and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, running around in the office. Like, that's what work looks like. I don't know. I'm really – yeah, because I have definitely – maybe not that specific example, but this idea of like pushing through. Like what is – is there power in pushing through or is there not? And it's just, are, are we just being lied to? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't – I mean I do think that – I think there's power in persevering in difficult situations if you see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think if I ultimately, okay, so this is an example. If I want to be, for example, in the fashion industry, which is notoriously very competitive, my internship in the fashion industry might not be great. It might be soul sucking. It might be really stressful, X, Y, Z. But if that's just a necessary part of like moving up the ladder, then maybe there is power in persevering 
through some of that, if it's helping me get towards my goal. Mm -hmm. If I feel like I'm being demoralized every day in my internship, I'm in an abusive, toxic situation, and I'm at the point where I don't even know if I want to work in fashion anymore, there is no power in sticking that out because Mm -hmm. the other side of that equation isn't going to give me anything. So I think, again, you have to get clear on what you want And sort of, you and I have talked about this offline, what your non-negotiables are. Like, I'm willing to be uncomfortable and I'm willing to be pushed out of my comfort zone for these certain things, but these are the limits. Like, at this line, I'm not going to cross that. Or these are certain conditions of stress that I'm not going to tolerate. And so you just have to know that so that you can push through in a way that is powerful and productive and not, like, self-destructive. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down. I, (laughs) I, I entirely agree with that because there's just like a line. Oh God, maybe this is a whole other episode too of there are certain things that you, again, I don't want to sound flippant, but you just have to get through and go through. Like it's not all like roses, tulips and daisies and butterflies. Yeah. But You know, I think, you know, you should have a tolerance for every now and then you're going to be like being ambitious. Like there are certain things that you're just going to have to do to reach your goal and get what you want. But to your point, there is a line between being demoralized, devalued, being in an emotionally, mentally exhausting, abusive work situations, like that's the line. Like don't (laughs) – and, you know, and sort of like when you let that happen once at a company, it's very easy for you to continue to let that happen. A, I'm like raising my hand and speaking as someone who's been on the other side of that and I know a lot of us can relate. That I think for some reason I convinced myself, oh, well, that's like all part of the – the thing like this it's all part of what I need to go through to get to the other side of of what my goal is and for me my goal so you had sort of like your six month tracker totally made up I don't know where this arbitrary tracker (laughs) arbitrary tracker I mean mine's not quite mine's not arbitrary like I was just trying to like stay in it to get a title change because I thought if I leave this job and I don't get a promotion, it looks sus. You're not the only person who has said that. I have a close friend who has said that exact thing, that even though the company has (laughs) overlooked them in many ways, has said, I have to stay to show that I got a promotion at this place. And it's ridiculous. Like the – the mental wellness that I could have gained from leaving this company, I I stuck with it so I could have senior in a, in my title, which is arbitrary because senior at one company means something completely different. And then, yeah, I could we could talk I could talk yeah. ad nauseum oh. about all this seniority title arbitrary bullcrap. I can join um, you because I'm quite <laughs> – I'm anti-titles. I think a lot of them are made up and – Yeah, I, I no I, longer care. <laughs> I no longer care. I care more about, A, my mental wellness, my mental health while I'm working there, and my salary. I'd I rather get paid more. Snaps for that. <laughs> you know, like – None of that matters to me anymore. And no, I am not like looking for a job that's like, I am never going to apply. Like before I'd be like, oh my God, it has to have senior in the title before I even will look at it. Screw that. No, 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 no. Just pay me what I'm worth. Thank you very much. (laughs) Exactly. And I think it really, you're right. I think the issue when it comes to figuring out what we're comfortable with and what we're tolerate, I think it's a lot clearer when it comes to our physical health and our physical body. I think mm. we're, we don't take it as seriously when it's like a mental or spiritual wound. So if I'm at work and someone spits on me or like physically harms me, it's an instant red flag. I'm like, we're not doing mm-hmm. that ever again. Like that's a hard line. 
if I'm in a space where someone is verbally condescending and that really weighs on my spirit. And honestly, it sits with me longer than the saliva did when they spat on me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm carrying the weight of that, you know, treatment, that like judgment, the way that you're talking to me as a person a lot longer, the impacts on my mental health. But I think we're just a lot softer when it comes to mental health. And I don't mean soft as in be gentle with yourself. I think it means like the boundaries are fuzzy soft. Like we just don't, we're not clear about it. And so a lot of times you will hear like high performers, they'll tell you, I was go, go, going at my job. And it wasn't until I had a stroke. It wasn't until I collapsed. It wasn't until I started getting this back pain because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, again, I think people just wait for the physical manifestation of pain. And we need to be better about saying, okay, no, you didn't slap me. But the way that I feel when I'm here and the way that I'm treated feels like a physical assault, even though it's all verbal or like mental. Damn, that's like a great way to look at it. Because I haven't gotten to the extent of like ever having a stroke or or anything like that. But yes, these mental emotional wounds have manifested into something more physical where I'm sure a lot of us can relate to where those Sunday scariest kick in. You wake up in the, you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like an elephant is sitting on your chest. And yeah. you can't even get through one meeting without having to turn your camera off because yet again you've experienced a microaggression and you don't know how to handle it. Um, you know, and like all these things <laughs> Yeah. You know, like yeah. talk about talk about trauma just like resurfacing right now. Um that's a great point. I've never I've never looked at it that way. And it's it's tough because it's like we're balancing how do we Im- balance being ambitious, which is something both of us strive for and and want to be acknowledged as, but also knowing what our tolerance levels are for toxicity and and all of that and knowing when to quit. And I think it's just sort of like a mind shift of like quitting does not mean you failed and quitting does not mean you're not ambitious. Mm-mm. It's actually just like making more space. Like if I if you quit, if you get rid of something that is not giving you what you need, that is no longer serving you, you're actually making space for something that can. And that's yeah, really, I, like that revelation mm-hmm. is probably a revelation I've had maybe in the last six months. Like this is not something I knew back then, and something I now know. And I think of that in the same way for people and relationships and other areas of my life, where if people are no longer serving me, just like Nedra said in um, her boundaries book, right? Of like if people are no longer serving you you have to set those boundaries and what are those boundaries? And so setting these boundaries at work actually will now help me be a lot more clear on what I will accept and what I won't accept. And quitting is not a reflection of me not caring or me not being ambitious or me not wanting success, et cetera. Absolutely. And I think when we talk about piloting, I think people – just assume that that always means quitting a job to become an entrepreneur or to work for yourself. I think whenever people think about taking charge of your direction, that it always means abandoning huge infrastructure um, or institutions and Mm -hmm. going it on your own. And if that's your journey, that's great. I think for many people, it's not (laughs) like many people want to keep their day jobs. They like the stability. They like the regularity Mm -hmm. of pay X, Y, Z. There are a lot of benefits to staying in that system. But the way that we celebrate someone, like if you quit your job today to start something on your own, people see that as such a win. Yes, you're like quitting your job so you can do this thing that you're really excited about. But if you quit Mm -hmm. a job for another similar job, people don't celebrate it in the same way because it's not a big entrepreneurial leap. It's just moving from one company to another. And Mm -hmm. we really should view them the same because not everyone has the same end goal of being for themselves. So that whenever I've been in any company and a colleague has told me that they are voluntarily leaving, I always start with congratulations. Even if I'm like, sucks that I'm going to miss them because they're my friend or we work well together and we just vibe. I always start with a congratulations because 
they're moving on to something, like you said, that is clearing space for something they want. And even if what they want doesn't look radically different, even if it's just one Mm. shade of red to another shade of red, they are more excited about this other shade. And it's not for us to determine, well, it has to meet this threshold. Otherwise you're like, you're quitter. You're like giving up. It's like, no, just like, we're all like moving towards what we want. And sometimes that means leaving some things behind. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. What looks like an inch to others is actually like a foot for other, for them. I think that's and, such a beautiful thing that you just said. <laughs> that That is, that's so true. Wow. And it's hard for us to know that. And, and, you know, in my thirties now, I'm, I'm starting to sort of recognize that too of, I also don't need to share that with other people, you know, like it's, it's AKA what I know is a good move for me. I don't need to sit there and like convince other people that it is. Um, And it's really up to them to, you know, have that opinion or not. And just to your point, if you know someone has made a change, like that's a lot of work to also get a new job. Like that's a lot for someone to go through. That's a lot of work to put into of interviews, applying, going back and forth, a lot of conversations with themselves, with their close people of, of making this move. It's a, there's a lot of guilt in leaving your current team and a lot of – there's just like a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, not everyone is on this entrepreneurial journey um, and even though like it has like working for yourself has been like pushed and and glamorized and romanticized, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of parts of it that some people don't want. Um, and I've also like toyed with the idea of entrepreneurship by toyed, I mean, I actually, like created an LLC. Like I, I went that step. <laughs> so you did it. Definitely. Like my whole, like my torso was definitely in the water um, and potentially been pushed into the deep end. And I realized at least for that moment in, in my life, I read, like I was absorbing this, absorbing the signs and sure I could have just stuck with it because I was like, I haven't even done this for a year and I'm, it looks like I'm giving up on this and, you know, all these conversations that we talked about today and all these conversations in my head, but I just knew in my gut and in my heart that at that time it wasn't what I needed it to be and it wasn't serving me and I had to let it go. And because of that, it's made a difference in my life in many other ways. Um, so yeah, I think a good indicator of knowing what you want, knowing what your non-negotiables are having those conversations within yourself and knowing that the power is in you and the answer is within you too. You just kind of have to dig. Yeah. And know yourself well enough to know the signs of when it's time to, if not quit, then at least reevaluate, you know, it's mm-hmm. like when I used to be a servo, like a, a waitress and I would linger in the deep freeze um, because I just didn't want to like <laughs> stop. <laughs> deal with people I think that was that was a moment where I said okay this is strange (laughs) maybe linger in the deep freeze yeah they would always ask me to go into like the deep freezer or something They're like oh can you like refill the salad bar can you like grab this other thing and I'd be gone for like five minutes (laughs) just like I need a mental break (laughs) from what is happening in this restaurant Uh, all of the restaurant peeps can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically all of my warning signs are if I'm like hiding out in the bathroom or deep freeze or a closet, like <laughs> I need to check on yeah. myself. <laughs> I need to like do an exercise too of like, okay, what are what are the signs? And I I think I know in my heart what they are, but yeah. That's you a don't want to let prospective employers know. I've just <laughs> I've blown up my spot. They're like, okay, she's going to the bathroom a lot, like Let's let's do an evaluation. <laughs> I mean, my de- mine is definitely when I'm not giving helpful feedback, or what I what I think in my head is helpful feedback. You know, your girl's indifferent. <laughs> yeah, if Melissa's not chiming in in a meeting, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like spacebar unmute. Yeah. <laughs> the best for me is. 
when I'm like on mute in a call that I just don't want to be in and I unmute it to give like that fake corporate laugh and then I go on mute again it's like silence like ha then I I get back on mute and it's so inauthentic oh my god when you know Renee is fake laughing and fake, I love that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good to know your your tells. It's like playing poker. Like it's good to know what your signs mm. are. <laughs> yeah, and just when yeah, I'm trying to f- also like checking in on like your teammates and things too, and um. I think that was the the loyalty thing is really hard for me because that to me is what makes me stay is knowing that I'm letting people down that I know count on me and like look I don't know about look up to me but look for me for things and to get things done and I'm like I'm never going to meet people like this again I'm never going to you know we're never going to be this close again and I, I and I think I just need to get rid of that m- mindset and know that, hey, instead of them being your coworkers, they can just now just be your friends. And that's also very beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. <laughs> I also think that's why for me, I – and for context, I have spent the second half of my career at the same job. So even though I'm talking about quitting and stuff, I – I do have loyalty into places and I'm, I'm quite loyal to the organization that I currently work for. But I think one of the shifts for me over time has been less so loyalty to a company, an organization, this abstract thing. And it's more so loyal to people. So, mm-hmm. you know, like the people are the ones who show up for me. And sometimes those are my colleagues. And sometimes that is leadership. I think in the best organization, you will feel that at all levels, your peers, the people who report into you, and then the people you report up into. And so Mm -hmm. those are the things that when I get frustrated, or if I feel like something isn't right, I stop and think, does this, do the people at this place see me as a human being? Would they have my back if something happened? Or are they just going to flip to page seven in the employee handbook and say, well, the policy says X, so therefore, Mm -hmm. because I've seen really beautiful things happen in organizations, like I've seen people go above and beyond when an employee's had a death of an immediate family member. I've seen people really show up when someone's gone through an illness of themselves or like an immediate family member. I've, you know, and those are the kinds of things that make me loyal is when I see that human touch versus, mm-hmm. oh, well, this organization was ranked number one on XYZ list and da 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 da. It's like everyone's great when things are going great. It's like what Liz- Lizzo said. Yes. You know, a man's great until he's got to be great. So it's when I see these like moments where things don't work perfectly and how how people respond to that in an organization are, those are the things that really cement my loyalty. That's the true test in everything, right? Like, yeah, it's it's easy, it's easy to be good when things are going good. Yeah. The true test is how to continue to be good when things are going bad. And I've used that more so in terms of like leadership and managers, but I think that just goes for everybody. Um, And yeah, how, how they are with that. And it, it sucks because like, I, I think genuinely, and I look back on the companies I've, I've worked for that I, I may have not had like the best experience with. And in my heart, I just know that they are not malicious people, um, that things may have been said, questionable, especially on like the scale of microaggression and whatever, whatever. But I think in their hearts, they're not horrendous people. Yeah. But I think they've also been put in situations where that's just their default now because of other internal factors within the company and they're also trying to do their best but their best is their worst because they've been giving the worst and so it's just like this really endless toxic cycle and the best thing to do is sort of remove yourself if sometimes at that point you can't do anything and so like I've tried my best you know at certain companies when I'm there 
to create that change, to make that change, to be the change, to blah, 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 all this stuff, to be the martyr, to speak up, et cetera. And noticing that it's really just affecting me and not that many people around me that, okay, like I can't. (laughs) And that's when I know I have to walk away and maybe I can create that change somewhere else where it's more they they're more likely to absorb it and value it. Um, so yeah, knowing when to quit and walking away when you need to and seeing it as a skill. And I hope that's something that I can hopefully continue to do as I get older. And, and I hope that our listeners can as well. Like if some, if something is not serving you, I'm not saying like quit cold Turkey tomorrow, but yeah, look, look inward and, and see if there's, you know, start having these conversations with yourself of, of what it is, what, what are your non-negotiables and what will you, and what you won't accept. Um, because yeah, we, we said it in our, in our, um, trailer, we all deserve, and we all want a life that's exciting. Yeah. We're excited to wake up for. Yeah. And I think you've, you've said this before on a previous episode, um, don't be vindictive um, when you're quitting. Like, no matter how awful the experience is, try to leave with some. I, I don't even. I don't want to say grace, but at least just some like basic decorum. Like, you kind of hold your head high if you can, but also mm-hmm. don't leave with guilt. I think don't feel mm-hmm. guilty for making the right decision, especially if you're following all the steps to be professional and courteous. Some people might not like it, but if you know that you're not doing anything to harm or hurt anyone else, you shouldn't feel guilty for moving forward in your journey. I've used this literally in an exit quote, exit interview, um, basically telling them I'm turning in my two week notice. And I said, I want to leave on a good note, but I also want to leave on an honest one and feel free to steal that. Um, but it's true. Like I, you know, I didn't, I didn't go on Glassdoor or didn't go on LinkedIn and like rip them to shreds. I, I think they are a very talented group of people, but I also needed to own my narrative and own my truth and be like, hey, like I have brought this up 20 times and nothing has happened. And so I think it's time for me to move on and um, let's move on on a good note. But I want to be honest because A, that's just who I am. And B, I hope that it it creates some change in here so that others don't hopefully don't experience what I experienced. Period. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the way to go. Be honest, but like positive, or not even positive, mm-hmm. but like on a good note. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the yeah, don't be malicious, don't be vindictive, don't like go cray cray. <laughs> and on that I'll note, go. don't go cray cray. <laughs> don't go cray cray. <laughs> I think we should end it there. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Your first impression matters, but also your last impression. Yeah. People people have a short-term memory. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I feel like we could talk about this for hours, so there might need to be a part two. But Yeah. We, um, need, to, we need to know when to quit about talking about quitting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And on Full that circle. note, um, what's your gold star for this week? Ooh, okay. So this is a brand that Renee knows I've been talking about before. So this is no surprise to her. I gave her like a little teaser and she's like, oh, you mean Cotopaxi? So I know. Exactly we don't normally know each about. other's – we don't normally know each other's gold stars. So I know, And she like guessed it. Yours. I mean, I gave her like a fun fact. But if you don't know Cotopaxi, they are a sustainable – brand that creates outdoor gear. Um, talking about like backpacks, clothes, um, things like that. Mostly known for their insulated like down jackets and their backpacks. And I own both. And there are a lot of people um, that I know who rock Cotopaxi. And one of them is Carolyn, who is a listener and supporter and a cheerleader of this podcast since day one. So 
we worked together a couple companies ago and she is probably even a bigger fan of Cotopaxi than I am and I think owns more gear. Um, but if you don't know them, it's C-O-T-O-P-A-X-I if you're looking for a new jacket or a travel backpack. What's awesome about them is they are a B Corp company. So they are, um, are like a, a force for good. They want to make sure and they track their their impact on sustainability, governance, like all the above. I could talk agnosium about B Corps. Um, and they do have impact reports that you can look into. So if um, sustainability is like a good pillar for you, um, it, it's all ethically made, built to last. And I think their trademark is guaranteed for good. And I love their stuff. They're very, very colorful, like a very, very colorful brand. Um, they also have the fun fact, the Filipino sun is on some of their designs because uh, their factories are in the Philippines. Um, and their name, Cotopaxi, comes from an active volcano in Ecuador. So that was the fun fact I gave Renee and she knew right off the bat who it was. <laughs> I think I might've heard that somewhere or just my spidey senses were tingling. <laughs> yeah. So I'll drop, I'll, I'll drop their website um, in the show notes. Don't get mad at me if you spend your paycheck. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I have a lot of friends who are big fr- fans of Cotopaxi. Um, my gold, yeah. My gold star is a pretty young company called by Ava it is created by this influencer that I follow, Ava. I can't remember her last name, but she has created these antioxidant rich holistic recipes that she sort of inherited from her mom and her childhood growing up in Korea and China. So it's a lot of Eastern medicine. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My family's part Chinese. I've always been interested in like traditional Chinese medicine and like herbal tinctures I also just like love beauty and wellness that's like a deep passion of mine and she has these elixirs which are these pouches of different seeds um, produce um, products that you can make these elixir teas that are good for your hormones Mm -hmm. that are good for your skin it's very 360 wellness starting with diet and like nutrition before like going straight to like injectable doctor, you know, Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical type interventions. So I just wanted to shout it out. I have purchased the hormone balancing and the resilient skin elixirs. They are super delicious. I find that they are a really nice addition to my day. I love drinking teas throughout the day. And it's a young company, woman owned Asian founder. If you want to support diversity and like really put your dollars where your values are um, and help out someone who's pretty new to the game um, by Ava. I'll drop it in the show notes. I love it. Look at us. I didn't even realize that we both were going to share just like good for the world brands. I don't know how to describe it. I know. I know what like you brands mean. Brands that give back who are just, yeah, like it's not like your typical household like yeah, I don't know. but I'm also not surprised because I do think that both of us um, are very committed to living our values, um, at least, and we yeah. try to be like really intentional where we spend our money. So exactly, we yeah we we put a lot. There's a lot of power in our dollar, and we take that power very seriously about where we where we support. Yeah, I just like to boost up people. Yeah, well, I haven't heard of that brand, and I'm excited to check them out. I love tea, and I'm all about some. The, the ones that you take sound really interesting, the hormone and hormone balancing in the skin elixir. Yeah, resilient skin elixirs. Resilient yeah. skin. It's nice um, and it's fun because it's like a lot of the products are things you can see walking around Chinatown or any of those Asian markets. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly what's in it. It's not some, you know, strange question mark. And she has other products as well um, for people to explore. That's – it kind of reminds me of this book I read this year. Um Oh no. I read it while we were in Spain. Vera, it was like Vera oh. Wong. Oh no, hold on. Vera Wong's to... like murder or something? Unsolic- yeah, Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers. Oh. Um, I'm not going to give anything away of the book, but she is a tea shop owner and she takes her job very seriously about putting together all the ingredients 
for certain remedies or, or things that somebody needs. Um, so it kind of reminds me of that, like tea and like elixir. <laughs> I like want to learn traditional like tea ceremony. I just I really enjoy tea and like the the ritual of it. Oh, I like our gold stars. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to share your manifestation for the week? Yes, it's actually from uh, another beauty article that I read. It was an interview with Linda Wells, who is iconic in the beauty industry. She was the original editor in chief of Allure magazine. Um, I'll drop the article in the cut in the show notes in case people are interested, but my manifestation, which she mentioned and kind of relates to our topic today is don't let the end define the experience. I think so many times we have short memories. Mm -hmm. We only remember the most recent couple months or the last, um, feeling that we had with someone that we're willing to throw out all of the great things that came before it. And I'm not immune to this. I've had jobs where if you asked me in the moment of quitting, I would have said that was terrible. It was a waste of my time. And Mm. I mean, really just. (laughs) 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 But with distance, time, and I think a little more maturity, I can really appreciate all of the positive and beautiful things that were there alongside, you know, some of the messy bits and maybe if things at the end got a little sticky. So I think that's just a beautiful reminder. I think, you know, forgiveness is a great Mm -hmm. virtue. I think just not forcing yourself to hold on to any of these ugly feelings longer than you have to. So don't let the end define the experience. You can let something come to an end and not regret, you know, Mm -hmm. that you went through it or the good things that came before. So that's my manifestation. Let's take a moment to snap and clap that. It is about gratitude as well, right? Like it mm-hmm. once you're able to sort of get past some of the the darkness that comes with some certain sort of endings, and you you sort of you wake up and all of a sudden and hopefully all of a sudden you're now on the gratitude cloud. And I feel like that is a better place to live then constantly in that darkness. Like it's without realizing it. I mean, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to get out of that, but it also takes a lot of work to be in that negative headspace mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's, it's a lot of energy that can be redirected. So yeah. Gratitude over gorgeous. Oh, ah. I knew you would love like it. that because you love alliteration. <laughs> I love that. I'm just – I need that on – I need that printed on my wall like forever and ever. Gratitude, Gratitude over, over grudges. grudges. Maybe you can put it on merch. Yeah. <gasps> merch. Keep <laughs> manifesting. Okay. Part of our manifestation is also merch. Merch, merch, merch. Who wants merch? <laughs> it might just be you and me, but I, I, that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um. One more thought about your manifestation because it was so good and then we'll move on to mine. But I mentioned this in the last po- in the last episode. I read the book One True Loves and the – well, I watched the book and the movie. Well, I read the book, <laughs> watched the movie. I'm getting <laughs> delirious. Um, the book is definitely better. But one of the lines in the book was, we were meant to have been – so you normally hear we were meant to be. You never hear we were meant to have been. I sobbed reading that in the book. And it just makes me think of what you just got out of that quote as well, of looking back and just being really grateful for the experience and not just focusing on the ending, but everything that led up to it. Um, so yeah, sometimes jobs are just meant to have beens. That's the kind of quote that will make me cry. Um, uh, yeah, I'm like tearing up. It's so good. But <laughs> so no, good. I love that. I love that. Oh, God. Um, but my real <laughs> manifestation, okay, my real manifestation, um, I wish I could give it a quote, but it's a screenshot that I took because I saw it on an Instagram reel. And um, it says, the people around you are either your expanders or your cage. Choose wisely. And as we talk about knowing when to quit or knowing when to walk away, mentioned this earlier, like I think this topic definitely extends into other areas of our lives. And not that I'm saying like 
leave everybody that you care about, but it does matter who you surround yourself with. And as we we get older, you know, we our time gets a little bit more limited. Um, find those expanders. Find the people that open up your eyes and continue to grow with you and, and, and are a positive influence and not people who limit. We don't have time for that, honey. I love, I love that. Don't be a cage, be an expander. Yeah. It's just, it is such a beautiful feeling when you can be with someone who makes you feel limitless. Yeah. Isn't that like from Perks of Being a Wall? Yes, it is. It's, isn't it infinite? Infinite. Oh Yeah. Similar sentiment, something, though. Something about being feeling infinite. <sighs> but that is real. Yeah, I love That's that. Good. We should all manifest more expanders in our life, especially in our close circles. And it's, you know, it's never too late. I know it's harder. And I, I, I resonate with this. It's harder for us, to, you know, as we get older, perhaps to um, make friends. You know, we're just not in this area of our life where we're surrounded by hundreds of people at one time like high school or college campus. Um, and it's so easy just to, to go in our day to day, but there are like people out there. Like I am so excited when I meet people now in, in my thirties and just instantly I just like peg you for like an expander and I'm like, <gasps> new friend unlocked. Aww. So exciting. <laughs> that is a great feeling when you meet someone and you're like, Oh, you're, we're going to be really good for each other. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So manifesting, be the expander and find the expanders. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Oh, God. I've said that eight times now. (laughs) (laughs) Too many shots. Too many shots. Um, Maybe just shots or sips of your elixir teas next time. Or drink water. I love to stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On that note, um, Thanks again, Renee, for a lovely conversation. I just feel – I feel so energized and I feel so good every time we have these. And, you know, I hope those who listen also get something out of out of these episodes. And let us know. I would, We'd love to know what your thoughts are, um, if you've ex- – you know, if you have experiences that you're comfortable sharing with. Um, email us, pilotingpod at gmail.com or, you know – Slide into our DMs at Piloting Pod on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you, Melissa, for another amazing conversation. And, you know, just I think it was great to take something that was kind of spicy and kind of end on a very uplifting, like quasi-spiritual <laughs> note. But I mean, I, I love that feeling. So I, I'm into that. I think that's on brand for us. Spicy plus sentimental yeah. equals piloting pot. That is it. Spicy plus sentimental. Yeah. Gratitude over grudges. <laughs> and on that note, have a good night, guys. <laughs> or a good day, whatever time you're listening to. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.